Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. This is episode 33, and we will be having on the podcast today the Reverend Dr. Kelly Jackson Brooks, uh, who is out in New Mexico. And on this episode, we are going to talk to Kelly about her experiences as a licensed clinical social worker working in that space and in that environment to help others as they seek to care for themselves and how she has even found love and growth in her own life as she has practiced self-care Uh, and even how those experiences have brought her to where she is and in the role and position that she plays, not just as a pastor at a church, but also as the leader of a nonprofit that seeks to bring this conversation of self-care, of of helping others into the public landscape. And so uh, this is a great conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it. So let's dive right into our time today with Kelly. Welcome in today, friends. We are back with another episode here. And and today I have uh, someone that I had the joy of uh, coming into contact with through a seminary friend of mine, uh, Kelly Brooks. So Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. And I'm excited to to have this conversation today and have you on the podcast. Uh, So Kelly, why don't we start out and let's uh, introduce the folks to you. So who are you? Where are you from? And how do you practice self-care? Oh, it seems so simple, doesn't it? Those seem like such simple questions. (laughs) (laughs) I am, like you said, my name is Kelly. The full name is Kelly Jackson Brooks. It's one of those big names. I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm an ordained deacon. I'm also a licensed therapist. I'm in the United Methodist tradition. I serve a church in Albuquerque as the executive pastor, Central United Methodist Church, and started this little nonprofit that continues to grow that really focuses on clergy self-care and mental health care. And that's where the focus is for Chrysalis. And um, that's just a little bit about me. And how do I practice self-care? Well, Every morning, I try to get up <laughs> fairly early and have coffee. I'm actually drinking my coffee now. Now, you, we have some friends in common, and they'll tell you I drink coffee all day. Yes. So that me saying that I'm having coffee just in the morning. There we are. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing. I love that. <laughs> I still have half a carafe left. <laughs> oh, I love it. Like, we're getting there. We're getting there. I love starting my day that way and just being outside. Like I said, I'm in New Mexico, really lucky. We have really beautiful weather here and can just be out. There's no bugs. I know that's different for you East Coasters. Yeah, nope. But, you know, we can just be outside and enjoy the day. And that's how I like to start my day. That's a good way to practice self-care for me. That that's that sounds so nice to walk <laughs> outside and not be attacked by a thousand mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my first cross time zone interview friends this is a monumental occasion for active faith podcast 
This is great. Yeah. Uh, so as I as I mentioned, you know, uh, we have a, a mutual colleague that connected us, which was a great connection. And then we actually found out Kelly, uh, one of the boards of directors for Kelly's nonprofit is Lindsay Geist, who y'all are very familiar with. Lindsay's been on a couple of times now, including the last episode. Uh, so it's so great to have to have Kelly come on. So you know, here on Active Faith, we don't just like to know what we practice, right? Uh, when I started this, it was all about the physical activity, but now we've gone fully over into this self-care environment. Um, but I still like to know and understand, like, why? So why why do why do you practice self-care? So this goes back. My mother's actually retired uh, Methodist pastor as well, and so I was raised in that. Uh, in this world, I guess, if you say. And I would hear her, as parents do, they're pretty good at keeping things quiet, but they're also not good at keeping things quiet. So she'd be talking to my father in the evenings when my brother and I were supposed to be in bed about things happening at church. And it was very curious. And she would talk about friends, colleagues of hers that would have to go away. Mm -hmm for periods of time and come back. And that would make her very sad. And the language she would use with my father was fairly veiled. But as I grew up, really thought about that and learned more, we're a small conference in the New Mexico Annual Conference and really put those pieces together of, oh, they were having some pretty severe bouts of depression, anxiety, or some sort of addiction that was really there covering these other pieces. Because as we know, being a being a pastor, being clergy can be very rewarding, but it can also be very lonely. So there's things that we do to fill in the gaps. Some is healthy, some are not so healthy. So growing up in that and learning that just got my head curious. Now, my brother went a different way. He left the church. He's involved in some ways, but that was just kind of too much where I went to it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I went, did my master's of counseling, thought I'm going to work with people. I worked in nonprofits for a long time, had a private practice for a while and was still very involved in the church. The whole time, my friends were starting to go to seminary and really filling their calling in that way and also struggling. Mm -hmm. And it seemed that seminaries and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a seminary's job to talk about that. I get they're there and they're designed to make us really good at um, understanding like biblical knowledge and having that understanding. They're not necessarily there to make pastors out of us. That's kind of someone else's job in a different field, but really learning that there was nothing, even boards of ordained ministry were not doing what I would see as their job mm -hmm. or DCOMs doing their job to really help clergy learn about self-care because as we know walking into a church a church will they'll let you work 24 7 mm -hmm. you let them let you and when you're new you're going to you're going to do that unless your church or your ds or someone says whoa boundaries and has these conversations with you and we see these burnouts from people pretty early on. So for me, it was about staying connected with the church. I was serving on DCOM and boom and, you know, doing those things as a lay person and doing the work of a therapist. And as time went on, eventually I was asked very pointedly by 
who is now a colleague after a decom meeting, when are you going to stop running from this? So that's part of my call story. <laughs> so I went in and did my, my MDiv and then eventually did my demon and my demon work with Claremont School of Theology in California was all about clergy mental health. So it's about taking that world of being a pastor and being a licensed therapist and saying something needs to be a little different. There's wonderful retreats for people, wonderful retreats for people that really focus on spirituality, but not so much that mental health piece, bringing in licensed therapists to really be with people. Because I really saw this as a, you know, depression is not just pray your way out of it. Yeah. You know, it's there to love us and hold us and healing and be with us in that way. But there's just other gifts that God's given to people too that say, hey, there's something else going on in here and uh, we need a little more, little more. Yeah. And that's really where that came from. So Chrysalis is this outpouring of my demon program, which ways goes way back to being a therapist, to being raised by a pastor female in the eighties. Yeah. Basically. And and, I, and so I'll, uh, I'll I'll put a link in the podcast notes for listeners to her um, nonprofit's website. You can kind of check and see everything that they have going on. You know, they have uh, whether it's telemental health or uh, I think rest and renewal retreats, covenant groups. You know, they uh, a, a lot of resources. And you hear both in in Kelly's, you know, whether it's her her history, whether it's her education, uh, her experiences in the church, this nature in which. I mean, and you've heard, listeners, you've heard from me the ways in which, you know, being a clergy often presents this nonstop job. And I think even for those who might be listening, who are beyond the scope of the church, who, who their vocation may not be in the church, or even when you think about volunteering for the church, you think about how you can get lost in that environment. And it seems like, uh, as I listen to that story, one of the things that I kind of pick out and point out is is your ability to name and then your ability to walk through other folks naming their stuff. And so recently here on Active Faith, we've been diving into a lot of terms, a lot of understandings. And so, I mean, what does it mean for us to vocalize, not just to our, I mean, to ourselves, yes, but to vocalize, I'm struggling or I see struggle. How important can that be for us? And how important was that for you on your journey of noticing those folks around you? Yeah, so, so critical. And the earlier you can get it, the better. And those mm -hmm. around you, it's all about being, I think, in tune and having community. Because like I said earlier, being a pastor can be so lonely. It can be very isolating, even though you're surrounded by your congregation members, whether that be 10 people in your congregation or a thousand people in your congregation. We're not built or our role as a pastor, right? We're in this leadership role. We always walk into a room on the pulpit or in a any space, even having coffee in the morning with your congregation members, you are still in a position of power yeah. over that and to, to recognize that. Well, with that power kind of dynamic, you also recognize, okay, I am in a little different place. So that brings that loneliness, that brings that isolation piece. So to know though, when that, that stuff's not in check and to be able to tell your friends, always have a circle. You know, it's never, 
if anything, COVID taught us that our tribe is big. We really have people that we went to seminary with. I love, you know, Dustin is two hours time zone away from you and <laughs> you're still friends and, you know, can really continue those conversations and Zoom allows for that to happen. So many platforms allow for that to happen, to reach out and say, I'm struggling here. I'm having a hard time, even if it's just one bad day, because sometimes one bad day can pile on each other. And then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're really having a hard time getting up and doing those things that are, I like to say, unbecoming, unbecoming of our calling, because you're trying to fill in the gaps for what's happening in your life. So the sooner you can say, kind of raise that flag and say, no, I need to have a conversation tonight. And sometimes that's all it, that's all it takes Yeah, is, you know, let's have whatever on zoom tonight and let's have a conversation. If you're in the same, same community to make sure to get together and let's go have coffee or tea or whatever it is, let's go on a walk. Let's do those things together to really find those early on. And if you don't, that's okay too. You know, it's never too late if it has piled on and you're in that place. Hopefully those people around you are starting to notice and say something and to be open enough to hear Mm -hmm. from people who love you and to be open enough to receive those things. We just often respond in an anger, which is a secondary, it's a total secondary emotion. There's something under that. It's typically we're sad and we know something's not going right and not going well for us. So to be able to be open to those conversations early on, ideally, but if that takes a little longer, that's okay to really hear that and to listen. And I feel like there is that defensive sort of mindset, you know, we I mean, especially in the church, we want things to be perfect. We want things to go exactly according to plan. And I think even outside the church, you know, folks, it's this mindset of when things don't go to plan or when something doesn't happen the way that I think it should. And so it's almost, well, not almost, but, and it's getting better. I'm like collecting my thoughts in my head. This happens to me a lot. Um, but but as we as we go along, you know, I think mental health is becoming something that's a little bit more, you know, we have a little bit more of, a, of an understanding to talk about it. But for the longest time, it was seen as sort of this taboo thing. Like if, if, if you, like, God forbid, if you had to see a therapist um, yeah. or, or if you needed to be medicated for, for something, anything. I mean, I remember being on ADD medicine in, in middle school and high school and, you know, it's like, oh, well he's on medicine or, or you know, and it's changed a little bit, but we want to come to a place where things like that, they don't necessarily play a role in how we view other people, but it definitely helps us in understanding one another a little bit more. And so what are those ways in which we sort of overcome that defensive mindset? Um, I mean, it it, it might not, I've got a, I've got a licensed therapist on friends. I'm trying to ask all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Get them all out there. Yeah. It's like you said, it's still, I think, very much seen as that kind of taboo. COVID, in again, so many ways, allowed for us to have the conversation in a different way. But mm. even when people are delving into that, it still seems they're blocked. Yeah. 
and putting, you know, chrysalis together was really interesting to me that there weren't more retreats or more services that were based for people in mental health. It was a lot of um, spiritual direction, which is great. That's a, you know, that is a discipline, which while wow, people are very gifted at that, there were um, coaches, things like that. So there were retreats based on that. There are retreats based on just be quiet for three days, which Oof. that's hard. I can't <laughs> I have done that. I have not done that. Nope, nope, nope. That would not be my, that's, that's not my, that's nope, not, my not for me. Not for nope. me. It, it's good for some people. It's good for, it's good for a lot of people. It's not good. Absolutely, for me. absolutely not for me. Go in the desert for three days. There's oh. places. Yes. I'll go into the desert with like six or seven friends. <laughs> yes. And just kind of enjoy your days. Yeah. For three days. I love that. So looking, looking into all that, but it was really interesting. And even asking the questions of people of, wow, there's really not for mental health. And it came to that place of that taboo nature that people don't like, um, they don't like saying that for some reason, they don't like reaching out for the help. And for, for us, you know, for clergy who are in these leadership roles, I think some of that is you're seen as this person you're supposed to be. And I'm going to use this word that's been driving me crazy. I will put it out there. The Mm -hmm. word resiliency so you're almost expected to be resilient at all mm-hmm. times. That is unrealistic. We're not resilient people. We're not built necessarily to be resilient. It takes tools. It takes work. It takes discernment to get to that place of resiliency. So when we just expect someone to magically be resilient without putting the work in, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't, that really doesn't fly. And you may have a pastor that looks like, oh, that's, that person is resilient. Well, they may just be surviving Mm -hmm. that they just might be, they're able to get up that day, um, maybe shower and maybe show up for your Sunday morning service and do that job. But that doesn't mean that they're resilient people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another reason why we, because we toss these words around and we just have these expectations and coming out of COVID, we say, oh, isn't this great? We're all resilient. We're not resilient. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And so then you're even left feeling worse than you were before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should just be resilient. So then you're trying to, um, to almost sneak around to get a therapist. You know, <laughs> I'm so grateful for things. Chrysalis has telemental health, but there's some lots of great programs now that do this that you can call anytime. So if you can even sneak in, which sounds crazy, uh, some mental health work, I think that's really important. But I think a big, just a huge piece of that is we still see this as so taboo. Mm-hmm. We can't, can't measure it really well. It's not like exercise is really important. Those things are important, but you can measure how many steps you take mm-hmm. you can measure if you've lost weight or if these things have the bad numbers have come down the good, you know, those numbers, if those done those things, you can measure that you can't necessarily measure mental health in that same way. So people struggle with that piece too, I think. And I think we see as part of your story, as you were growing up in the church and you were noticing all of these various things, you know, you saw the unhealthiness that came with what happens when we aren't really honest about what's actually happening in the background. And I think that there's a nature in which, yes, we need to be careful the extent to which we share everything that's going on. 
But I think we also see, uh, and and I hear in in the story that you told at the beginning of this episode, the way in which, but not addressing it at all, also becomes a detriment in understanding what is actually going on. Because I can look back and I can see through my pastoral ministries that the boundaries that are try and set are judged against one of my predecessors' boundaries that they didn't set. Yes, that's a good point. Yes. And so I, um, I'd love to explore this concept of boundaries, and especially boundaries as part of a conversation. Like, not just, not just setting the boundaries and being like, this is my day off, but also having a conversation about why that's important as well, right? It's not just, I need some renewal leave, but also, here's why I need renewal leave. Um, so in, in your experience and in your understanding, you know, what are boundaries and why do they then become sort of this pivotal tool that we have to create space for mental health? And I like the the framework you've put that in because I you're right and you know I come from of course the Methodist the Methodist background and structure and that's the world I live in, so understanding that for some of your listeners as yeah. well who may not be from the Methodist. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I I say they're used to it by now. I don't think they are, but <laughs> we all speak from our own experiences, friends. And so it's when you're so involved in this Methodist world, it's really hard to get out of it sometimes. So we ask for your grace and we ask for your uh, sympathies as well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, pretty. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think, I mean, I even think a conversation like boundaries, I mean, it transcends even outside of the church. Cause I think boundaries oh. are a great thing, especially when it comes to creating space for mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was kind of touching on something you'd said about for us, when we move, like we live with the really boundaries that were set by the clergy before us stepping into that role. And I've heard this a lot from people. So there was a, you know, pastors that you'll say came before me and they had zero boundaries. And so Mm -hmm. you're trying to establish, Hey, these are, these are important things for me. So when I go home, I get that some people, um, they pass away at night, they get really sick and emergencies happen. And I understand that, but to have backups and things like that for you is really important too. And that the world is not going to come crashing in. If you're not there, I think for clergy and for people, we need to know that too. So establishing boundaries include boundaries for us, for us to recognize the world's not going to shut down if we mm-hmm. don't answer a call because a clergy or a congregation member is sick or a friend is sick because people are resourceful and they're going to try to call us and sure they want us there for these moments and these times, but they'll also find other people around to help them. So for us to also say, we're not the end all be all of all things yeah. <laughs> and we we need to take a step back too. And we need to learn these boundaries too. And to be able to have a break. Mm -hmm. And I will be the first to say, I'm not always great at this, but to be able to put the phone down and to say, you know, if my family member or friend or congregation member, whatever, if something happens to them, there are people in their tribe and our tribe that are also going to take care of them. It's not all me. The world does not resolve, you know, revolve around me. So those boundaries of just being able to breathe, to go on a walk with being completely disconnected for an hour 
is critical for us. It lets us breathe. It lets us get things off our chest because you don't want to keep stuff inside of you, even little things about like, oh, you're, if you have a kiddo, they dropped something that morning on the floor, you know, and it Mm -hmm. kind of that even can sit with you for a little bit. So go take a walk, breathe, give yourself some boundaries and some self-care around that. So you can come back and appropriately handle whatever is going on. It makes a world of difference when you take even an hour a day for yourself and to start there. Mm -hmm. I think we try to give ourselves these huge plans. Like, okay, now I'm going to go on this 30 day weight loss and get in shape. And now I'm going to like, go get a therapist. And then I'm going to do Bible study. And I'm going to do, we try to put too much, like never succeed in that, in those boundary, you know, establishments and self-care world. If we do that. How do you practice boundaries? Like you're a pastor and you have a nonprofit. um, And I mean, I'm sure all the other stuff happening in your life, you know, how, how do you practice boundaries? What, what are some steps and processes that you go through when creating your days off during the week, you know, blocking time off during the day, um, taking vacations? Yes. So Andrew, you just asked a question to a therapist that we like to ask other people. We don't necessarily like to answer. I, you know, I, <laughs> look, you're the guest on the podcast, right? <laughs> this is true. I accepted this. <laughs> oh, you know, I am, um, I'm really good at uh, scheduling and siloing And, you know, and sometimes that's not always the healthiest thing for me. And I've gotten much better at this recently. You can ask people I know much, much better at doing this, at doing things like shutting off my phone and taking vacation. I think Mm -hmm. the past month I've been out of town quite a bit, some for work and some just saying, you know, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this time and actually have vacation time for myself. And that's been really good. What's interesting, what's happened is people will say things, well, where, wait, where have you been? Like, Mm -hmm. I haven't heard from you in two days when typically I'm very connected to things. I don't take time outside of my morning coffee routine. That's, that's been about it. But lately really saying, you know what, I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to do these things. I've got the time granted for me and people may get uneasy about this, but it's important to do. So Mm -hmm. some of this, I will say some of these practices have been fairly new for me in my routine Mm -hmm. and have come and gone at different moments in my life. So looking back when I've been really good at it and then things happen and they tend to happen really slowly. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, this one thing comes in and you'll say, yes, I'll do that. Or yes, I'll serve on this board or yes, I'll do this. And, and all of a sudden you're back where you were and your schedule's 24 seven. And to say, I need to slow down. And again, I keep going back to COVID. I'm trying to find really good things about COVID. COVID really helped me with that. (laughs) (laughs) At least something good came out of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Something. (laughs) Uh, No. And I mean, like, I think that, I think that that's perfect because I mean, I talk about boundaries all the time and yet I still struggle with them as well. um, Because there's always this way in which 
at some point in time, something is going to get in the way, you know, um, something is going to happen and it's going to throw off our schedule. You know, something is going to come in and disrupt, you know, uh, we went on vacation last year um, and we, we went to Pigeon Forge and, and, and out there in Tennessee. And then we went up to my aunt and uncle, my uncle's family reunion, and we were at the top of a mountain in West Virginia and had absolutely no cell phone reception. It was great. Uh, but I told it, I told it on the podcast before, and then we come down from the mountain and my phone finally works again. Um, and I had like a message from my lay leader that someone in the church had died. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> mm. Um, and so, and then, and, and so then you go on vacation again and you're like, well, what's going to happen this time? You know? And so I, one of the biggest things that I think we hear when we talk about boundaries is that we need to be intentional about the boundaries that we set. Um, but we also need to give ourselves grace in the way that we practice those boundaries as well, because we are still learning. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we learn as we continue to practice boundaries is that it's, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's ever going to go the way we exactly desire it to go. <clears throat> but I think the more that we insert ourselves into that space to practice boundaries and we give ourselves that space, uh, my hope is that it would make us better about being able to understand the importance of it and the importance of being able to practice it um, and what that looks like. And I mean, to say that boundaries, you know, it's not just a work thing, right? You know, we want to create boundaries in our lives where we have like me time, where we have family time, um, where we have friend time, right? I mean, we want to make sure that we're offering time to all the various different circles that exist in our lives. Um, and I'm sure that that you see as someone who works in the mental health field and is engaged in the mental health field, I'm sure that there's that way when we're thinking about boundaries and you're trying to encourage folks in creating boundaries, uh, you know, what often prevents us from doing it? About creating boundaries and living into it and practicing. Yeah, yeah I, we do. We, I think we prevent ourselves from that because we, and as you said, you know, coming back, I like your experience a lot. That's such a great example of coming back from this mountaintop experience, if you will. And I'm sure you had a lovely time and you get this call and it's like, okay, back to reality. And oh shoot, I missed that. Yeah. And you're right. What's going to happen next time. So then you step into these next vacation experiences with your family and your friends and all of this already kind of with a heightened sense of anxiety. Yeah. So you're already kind of going in into this place and not allowing yourself to fully kind of go into that vacation mode and taking care of yourself mode and boundary mode. And like anything, we have to practice it and give ourselves grace around it. So that practicing of going to the gym, you'll like this. Dustin and I used to always go to the gym. We haven't done it in a month. <laughs> Oh, we were partners in this and we're going to start tonight. This is our thing. I'm not lying about that. This is what we told <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> we're going to start going tonight. And that's part of self-care. Yeah. Some of that is saying to people, hey, um, during, you know, eight, eight to nine at night, this is where I'm going to be, but don't bother me. I'm just telling you that I shouldn't even tell you where I'm going to be. That's yeah. where I'm going to be because I need to do this 
for me. So allowing yourself to give, to have that and to have that time and not let yourself get in the way. That's what we do. We let ourselves get in the way of all the things because there's always something else to watch. There's always a, a show that's coming out on Netflix or something that sounds much more desirable than taking care of your mental health, taking care of who you are as a person. But if we don't do all those things, we're not going to be able to fully function in the world. Yeah. And I mean, I think that becomes even more important to kind of point out. And it's something that, uh, you know, I've taught, we've talked about on the podcast before is, you know, and especially last week uh, with, with Lindsay and Sarah of unpacking, you know, again, self-care or this nature of caring for ourselves. It's not one single way. There is that, that physical, there's that mental and emotional, there's the spiritual, you know, you have all of these different ways and different things. And again, we don't want to make it seem overwhelming uh, in any way, because, you know, we don't want the overwhelming nature of self-care to prevent us from caring for ourselves. Uh, We want to know that we deserve to care for ourselves because we're loved by God. But we also need to know that uh, how, how we can care in the midst of everything else that is going on around us. Uh, And that just, I mean, it becomes so important. uh, Absolutely. And sleep. Yeah sleep you gotta sleep sleep you gotta sleep seven to nine hours a night seven to nine yes (laughs) at least five i've been talking to people who like i can't think straight in the morning i'm exhausted well when are you going to bed one when do you wake up well seven no no (laughs) i go to bed when my kids go to bed um and i wake up before them so this is good. This is good. How old are you? <laughs> I've got a six-year-old to four-year-old. Uh, oh. My four-year-old actually just like comes into our bed and just kicks the heck out of me. <laughs> They're all legs at some point too. It's really <laughs> funny. It's, it's amazing how a four-year-old can occupy a full-size queen bed. Yes, it's true. <laughs> like in these positions. They just occupy the whole thing. There's no space <laughs> they don't occupy in that bed. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. <laughs> age too that's a good yeah and so i love that 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 this conversation has kind of gone to then you know for me when i begin to think about self-care i begin to identify what are things that andrew loves to do yeah right um and that's something that especially like that's something that my therapist has encouraged me about um is is okay when it comes time to caring for yourself it's it's never like what is something and i have those moments where like i'll i'll be having family time and we may be doing something that i that i may not fully want to do but i also know like but i also love spending time with my family yeah and so and that becomes an important time but then when it comes for like me um like yesterday afternoon, you know, Sunday, when I get home from church, I'm like dog tired because, you know, I've been here all day. We also had a council meeting after church because we have vacation Bible school this week. So we moved our council meeting to Sunday. So like, friends, it was like a long Sunday, um, (laughs) which happens. And like, I gave myself space to have a long Sunday. I'm like, all right, I'm in the right mental space. But when I got home, I'm like, you know what? I just need to lay on the couch um and i need to relax so like the kids are downstairs and they're playing around and i just turn on my formula one race and i'm just watching it and just (laughs) relaxing on the couch yes and and that just became like right now i need to do something that i enjoy doing um and so i mean how important does that become 
Like that self, that self understanding. Yes. That, you know, and that, what do you need and um, what makes your heart sing kind of question too, like what's going to bring me joy and film it today. And when do I need to say, I need to kind of tap out for a little bit and watch formula one. Yeah. I need to just do that. And Sundays, oh, Sundays are hard. That's a hard day. Cause even if you're coming off, you know, it's one o'clock and you feel like I still have the whole day, but I'm exhausted. You've got to give yourself that time. And to be able to answer that question, what do I need? And it means I need to lay here and I need to not feel guilty because say that you were to say in that moment, you know what, I'm going to, I love spending time with my family. I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to hang out with my four and six year old <laughs> after. And I'm sure at that time they are going and going and going. Mine's, I have a 13 year old daughter and she, during those times, I mean, it was like, they're just busy, but yep. if you can't give yourself that time and that space for you, you're just depleting every part of you. You're not going to be able to give anything to anyone and you're not doing anyone, any sort of um, favors by pushing yourself into that place. And I, I think I used the example earlier of, you know, when someone like a kid, one of your kids drops something on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, kind of taking your pulse, if you just lose your mind in that, you know, so they drop something, you lose your mind. That is one of those signs of, wow, I'm not really, I'm not really taking care of myself. <laughs> I'm not really giving my space, myself space or any of these things. I need to I need to, again, kind of leave for a little bit and yeah. come back. It's your reaction to things too. That's going to tell you I'm not taking care of myself. This is not an appropriate reaction or response to what has happened. I need to give myself time. So being able to go and lay down and to say this, this is not a reflection of how I feel about my family. This is not a reflection of how I feel about my church. That maybe today it's a Tuesday. And I just say, you know, I'm not coming in today. I'm not going to come into work today. I'm going to take a me day because nothing on the calendar that says the church is going to burn down or my, you know, whatever is going to go away if I don't come in today and to be able to, to step back and take those times in asking yourself that question, what do I need today? And I mean, I think that that just, I mean, it perfectly encapsulates it because it always reminds us that, that self-care is all about the self and it's not. And it's not at the expense of others, um, but it's so that we can be in a better mindset as as we exist in the world. Um, You know, I've used it before. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Like, how can we ever truly conceptualize what that means if we don't take that time to know what it means to love ourselves, to know what it means to care for ourselves, to to give ourselves the space and freedom to be in a good mental headspace? You know, I always. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the house early on Sunday mornings because I know that I've got to preach and I just need to like clear my mind before I get in the pulpit, just so that my headspace is clear. I'm ready to preach. The only thing that's on my mind is the sermon that I'm going to give that morning. Um, and, and to give myself that space. And so I think these become important practices as, as we unpack what self-care can look like in our lives, because boundaries, I mean, they almost become this, this just pivotal thing when it comes to practicing. Cause, and, and to me, it, it, it becomes the first place, right? Because I step into a new church. What's the first thing that I'm doing? 
Or what's the first thing that I should do? I mean, there's a lot of like learning about who this church is, but I feel like if you don't at the front of serving in a new church or serving in someplace new, say, these are my days off. Yeah. Or, you know, this is how much vacation I'm taking. Um, you know, I remember I had a pastor growing up. He always took vacation the first week of July, like just as long as he was a pastor. Now, you'll know that's the week that pastors move or yeah. the first week they're at an appointment. So he yeah. moved to my church and he's like, sorry, not going to be there for Sunday. I take vacation. And I remember my family just giving him grief and oh. heck for it. And like, I was even just like, how could he do like, he's our brand new pastor. How's he's not going to be. And, and I look back on it now. I'm like, nope, good on him. Cause like, that was the week that they took every year, every year. That's when they went on vacation. That's when the family took vacation, when they got all their, their family together for it. And I'm like, dang on. Like, and that's something that you set at the forefront. And I, I mean, it just becomes that vital tool that you use at the onset of everything. Because if you don't set boundaries at the beginning, they become so hard to set later on down the road. Yes. And then to set boundaries and to stick to them as as much as possible. Because if you start showing, hey, you can call me on Friday. Uh, And I tell folks that. I'm like, look, I love you, but I just need one day a week where you don't call me. Yeah. I don't want to hear from you. I love. Yeah. (laughs) And like I've had, and I've had parishioners who have tried to like play every card in the book and like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? I'm like, I I just, I'm asking for 24 hours. Like I'm asking for, that's it. That's it. I'm asking for 24 hours and, and maybe call the lay leader, call, call someone else. And like, if it truly is an emergency, then they can call me. Um, so yeah. And I, I mean, it just, that becomes to me. One of the most vital, and it's one of the things that I've realized is I've kind of come to learn and grow. And, you know, Kelly and I were talking about this before the podcast. It, it's nice to have, you know, people who are licensed in the mental health field because, and I started out with this right at the beginning of the podcast. Friends, I'm not an expert in mental health um, in the least bit. I'm an expert in mental health as much as I know that I'm mentally crazy. Um, <laughs> you need it. <laughs> um, and that, that I have, you know, I've been seeing a therapist for like going on five years now. And I've been, you know, medicated for a couple of years now. So, I mean, like, I know that aspect of it, but I'm not an expert. And it's nice to have experts on. I'm just someone who's passionate about it. And I think that we as a society need to be better about caring for ourselves. Um, and so, I mean, Kelly, it's been great, you know, having you on. I want to jump to some of these uh, podcasts, these questions that I end every podcast with. Oh, uh, and and so, uh, what is something that has made you feel accomplished? Oh gosh, <laughs> you know, my I go straight to my daughter, who's you know thirteen, and um, really makes me feel like, wow, look what I did. That's that's crazy. I made a person, and she's strong-willed and sassy, and she's all these things, and she challenges me and forces me to take time away from all my computers and all my phones and all my things. And she has taught me more about living than anything else. So I would say she's my, she's my greatest accomplishment. What is an upcoming goal you have? Oh, upcoming goal I have is to really, you touched on this earlier, like, how do you take care of yourself? You know, all those things is to continue real like self-care practices that include 
taking time to travel and taking time for myself and to really enjoy all that's around me and to kind of slow myself down for me and uh, to make me better for, for all those things. So a goal I have is to continue to take care of myself. Who do you go to when life gets tough? Oh, wow. I have a really nice tribe of people uh, around me. And when things get tough, I go to different people for different things. And the first person I go to is my mother. Mm. (laughs) She's a, a wise person who after retirement and as she's gotten older has gotten real feisty too so it's kind of fun getting to know her in that world but I I go to her in my darkest times and in my most joyous times too quite frankly yeah yeah good tribes are so important to have around that's that's another that's another aspect maybe I'll get next time I'm gonna get you and Lindsay on a podcast together that would be be great that would be a great one so Lindsay Lindsay if you're listening to this episode know that I'm going to be messaging you again um I think I'm just gonna have her y'all are just gonna be my co-hosts we're just we're gonna go down this road together it's gonna be a fun time great time on a podcast with you that would be fun (laughs) yes yes Well, Kelly, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's been great having you on and having you part of this conversation. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. What a great episode. I just love the perspective that Kelly was able to bring into this space. You know, friends, I I know that I am not an expert. So I appreciate folks like Kelly, like, like Lindsay from our past episodes who can come in, who have experience, who have education, who have knowledge in these fields, who can be able to offer those insights, not just how self-care has helped them, how their own practice of self-care has helped them, but really bring the educational aspect to it as well from someone who works in the field, from someone who's there, from someone who's interacting with people, from someone who can help us understand a little bit more how important this is in our daily lives. And I I, I just loved having Kelly on. I, I really was serious at the end there that I really hope that I can get her back on the podcast and, and maybe we can get some more unpacking of these these self-care terms, these ideas, these these understandings that we bring across uh, the entirety of our life journey. And just to continue to build that wealth of knowledge, and like I say in the introduction, to build that theology of self-care together. Um, this has just been so great and so fun for me. And on that note, um, you know, I feel like I need to take a little bit of self-care as well. And so uh, this week, as you're listening to this on Friday, July 15th, I have wrapped up Vacation Bible School at my church. My church has uh, just wonderfully hosted about 40 kids under the age of 12 for our Vacation Bible School, as well as uh, adult leaders, volunteers who have come in and help. And and on Sunday, we're going to be having a big worship service and lunch. And then friends, I'm going to take two weeks of vacation. 
and I wanted to create an intentional space so that I could spend some time with my family where I didn't have to worry about anything but them, but restoring my soul, restoring and having some time with my family, with myself, all of these things. So friends, we are not going to have a podcast episode for the next two weeks. And I just hope and pray that in there, there is some grace as, as I know that y'all love probably having these episodes in your ears on a weekly basis. And it has been great for hearing these stories, uh, but also to give some grace as I practice what I preach, friends, uh, and, and take these opportunities for self-care in my life. And so uh, there are not going to be any episodes for two weeks, but friends, when we come back, when I come back from this break, I already have some wonderful people that have already recorded some stuff, and we are in for a treat as we continue to move forward on the Active Faith Podcast. And you know what? I'm going to put it out there. If anybody who is listening has a story that they want to tell uh, and wants to be on the podcast, shoot me a message. I love highlighting stories of, of, of anybody and everybody. We all have a story to share. We all have a, a nature of self-care to put out there. And so uh, just let me know. Shoot me a message. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, you can do it on my personal Facebook or Instagram. You can do it on the Active Faith, at Active faith pod on both of those um join us in that active faith community uh just because i'll be gone doesn't mean i might not post in there i'm still going to be going on runs i'm still going to be doing all that fun stuff that i continue to take care of myself uh maybe occasionally with some better views uh than my office window but uh i invite you to join us over there be a part of that community you know and then I would just love it if you would help to support this podcast. In this two-week break, uh, help to support this podcast. Go back and listen to some of the episodes. I invite you to follow and subscribe so that in two weeks when that new episode comes out, you don't even have to think about it. It's going to be right there in the podcast listening app of your choice if you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, hop on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, even if you're not on those podcasting platforms you can still leave a rating and a review on both of those uh, and that would be just amazing and great uh, and support me on patreon you know if you would love to support this ministry monetarily i have a patreon page patreon.com slash runnin rev uh, and that is an opportunity for you to support this ministry as i continue to offer it as i continue to grow this ministry to where it's not just the podcast but to where it is a community to where it is more than just me. It is more than just this podcast, but it is an intentional community that's working together in self-care. And, and, and lastly, if you would just share, just hit that share button, uh, whether it's on social media, whether it's from the podcast itself, and share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with someone who may be struggling. You know, I'm sure that there's an episode in here that maybe has hit you more than others or one that you know someone may benefit from and share that episode with them. And if you end up sharing it on one of our social media platforms, if you tag at Active Faith Pod or Active Faith Podcast on Facebook or Instagram, uh, I will give you a shout out. I love getting shout outs. Uh, for our Patreon subscribers, we still are at three. We have David Vaughn, um, Amy Dane, uh, and Pamela Anderson. I'm so thankful for those three who continue to support uh, the ministry and the effort that I offer here uh, on the podcast. And so I want to give thanks to my Patreon supporters. And now, may God bless each of us, and may we all find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.